Well, uh, we are in uh, John chapter 8. We're finishing up John chapter 8 this morning. Uh, Craig was uh, led us last week, and we looked at Jesus being the light of the world. And uh, we live in a world that's very dark, that is very worldly and lost. But praise God, Jesus has come into this world. He has, he has shined the light, and uh, he has shown us the way to live our life in this uh, dark, secular, uh, dead world that, uh, because, of, uh, because of sin. But uh, we're going to finish up John chapter 8 this morning, and uh, I'm going to say right off the top, Jesus isn't very politically correct as uh, we finish up this chapter, and uh, I might get in a little bit of trouble, I don't know, but uh, we'll see where, where this goes. But uh, again, we it's the Feast of Booths, it's a holiday, holiday season for uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, as they remember what uh, God did, the, God's provision uh, for them in the wilderness, those uh, 40 years. And, uh, and as, as uh, we came to the conclusion of verse 30 in chapter 8, uh, the Bible says that many people had believed Jesus and the fact that he was the light of the world. And then beginning with verse 31... Uh, it continues on. He says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And, uh, and so these new believers, he says that now that you believe, it's not over and done. You must continue to believe, and you must abide in my word. You must continue with me. And as you do, the truth is going to set you free. And so he's addressing the believers at this point. But then in verse 33, it says this. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. Now, this isn't the same group of believers, okay, that Jesus has just referred to. Uh, these are the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders who have been hounding him through this entire chapter, verse 13, verse 19, verse 22, verse 25. And this is just a continuation of that conversation. And so let me read the rest of the chapter. They answered him. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, 
Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your what the works your father did. And they said to him, "We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God." And Jesus said to them, "If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me." Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he did not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, We are not right in saying, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do not know, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So like I said, uh, Jesus isn't politically correct here, and he has some very strong words for these uh, hypocritical Pharisees. Now, the title of the message today, Whose Child Are You? And uh, we're going to see this morning that freedom 
isn't found in right paternity. You know, the Jews assumed that they were free because they were children of Abraham. That was their claim. They were holding on to their ancestry. But when it comes to freedom, it's not found in paternity. You may claim that Abraham is your father, but that doesn't mean that God is your father. And so as we go through this text this morning... There are five statements, that, four statements that uh, I want to point out this morning in this text that will help us, help you answer the question, whose child are you? And the first statement is this, religious ancestry guarantees nothing. Okay, verse 33, verse 37, 33 says, and they answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Now, have never been enslaved to anyone. You know what? They're lying at that point right there. Because they have been slaves in many parts of their history. They were slaves for 400 years under Pharaoh. Uh, They were, because of their disobedience to God, they were hauled off to Babylon for for 70 years. The northern kingdom was, uh, was, was destroyed, never to exist again by the Assyrians. Now, here we are in the New Testament, and uh, they're under uh, Roman control. They're not free, and yet they tell Jesus... We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Also in verse 37, they say, uh, I know that you are of the offspring of David, yet you seek to kill me and my words to find no place with you. The Pharisees believed that their salvation Their inheritance was secure because of Abraham's faith. But you can't gain heaven, my friend, through pedigree. There is only one person that can save us, and that is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you are not, you may be related to Abraham, but your heritage does not make you a child of God. You are slaves to sin. Now, Jesus is talking about the household in this this chapter. And he talks about a slave in the house. A slave isn't there forever. Slaves come and go. But sons, sons are there forever. Now, he Probably, Jesus doesn't mention this, but he's probably thinking of uh, Abraham's household. And he had two sons in his household, uh, Ishmael and Isaac. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. And uh, it's at this point in Genesis 17 that uh, God's telling Abraham that uh, he's going to have another son. He already has one, Ishmael. 
and he's about 11 years old right now. Uh, God had not given a son to Sarah and Abraham uh, up to this point. God had promised a son to them, but uh, it hadn't come through, so they chose to help God out a little bit. And uh, Sarah had a, a servant named Hagar. And 11 years early, earlier, she suggested to Abraham, Abraham, you know, I know God's promised us a son. Maybe it needs to come through my servant Hagar. And Abraham took, took her up on it, and lo and behold, they had a son. So they thought that this was the son that God was going to provide them. Not it, okay? Now, here it's 11 years later. Abraham is 86 years old. Sarah is 76 years old. And this is what God says. I want to start with verse 15 in Genesis chapter 17. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. Moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born of a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is... 90 90 years old, bear a child. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. This is God's promise to Abraham. It's not going to be the son of the slave that is going to, where the inheritance is going to come through. No, it's going to be the son of promise. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son in your old age. At 100 years old, Sarah's now 90 years old, she is going to have a child. How many ladies here who are in their 90s long for a child? Hope to have a child right now. No, I didn't think so, okay? But that's what's happening in this text. Why did God wait so long? Because he wanted to show them that he was the God of the impossible. It was God who was going to come through on his promise. And so you just need, we need to trust the promises of God. God's promises may be delayed, but they are not denied. God has a time frame, and God is going to come through, and God never fails. And this passage shows us that truth. And so it was going to be the son of promise that God was going to bless, and not the son of a slave. And so, who, whose child are you in the house of God? I hope you're the child of the Son who saves. 
Go back to John chapter 8 for a moment. John chapter 8. And look at verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. Slaves come and go. Ishmael came and he left. God sent him away. Verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Notice notice that's a lowercase son. Verse 36. So if the son, capital S, Jesus Christ, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So, religious ancestry guarantees nothing, my friend, in order for you to be a child of God. For you to be a child of God, you the, it is the capital S Son that needs to set you free. And going back to verse 32, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. My friend, if you want to be set free this morning, If you want to be a child of God, a son who's going to live in the house forever, you need to abide in the truth. You need to abide in the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's only Jesus who can set any of us free. These Pharisees, they may have been sons of Abraham, but it was only in the flesh. They had the circumcision. They had the identity on the outside, but they didn't have the circumcision of the heart. Okay, look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Colossians 2.11 says this, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Church, when we come into a relationship with Christ, he, he cuts out the worldliness of our heart, a heart that was dead, a heart that was desperately sick, deceitful. When we come into a relationship with Christ, he gives us a new heart, a heart that is alive to him, that can live for him. The Pharisees, these Jewish leaders, they did not have that. Neighbor, and Jesus says to these religious leaders, you know, you, you may be in Abraham's house physically, but God is not your father. God is not your daddy. Because in verse 38 of John chapter 8, it says this, I speak of what I have seen with my father, 
and you do what you have heard from your father. You've got a different father. He says, God is my father. But you have a different father other than Abraham. And we're going to learn more about that in a moment. But you do, Jesus says, what you have heard your father do. So religious ancestry doesn't guarantee anything when it become when it comes to God being your father. Number 2. Deeds matter, not ancestry. Look at verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Deeds matter, not ancestry. And they prided themselves in their ancestry. And Jesus says, if you knew my father, if you were of my father, you would be doing the works of Abraham, verse 39. Now, what are the works of Abraham? Let's go to uh, John chapter or Luke chapter 7, Luke, or Luke chapter 3. And let's look at verses 7 through 11. And uh, let's see what John the Baptist has to say about the works of Abraham. Beginning with verse 7 of Luke 3. He said, therefore, to the crowds, this is John the Baptist, that came out to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have, the, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. John the Baptist, Baptist tells these religious leaders who are coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. What he means by that is he knows their hearts. He knows their nature. He knows their works and that they are not producing good fruit in turn according to repentance. The Pharisees weren't about doing good works um, because going back to John chapter 8, hey, they, were, they were in the, had the mindset they wanted to kill Jesus. And so when it comes to good works, Jesus says in verse 39 of John chapter 8, um, you're not doing the works of Abraham. 
And what are the works of Abraham? To produce good works, uh, good fruit. Now, question. Do works save? No. Let's go to what uh, Romans chapter 4 for a moment. And let's look at what Paul says about uh, Abraham's works in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, and I want to read verses 1 through 12. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, as a gift but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only from the circumcised or also from the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. What made Abraham a child of God? Was it circumcision? No. Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, before Abraham was circumcised, that he believed God's promise, that God was going to give him a son. And when he believed that, the Bible says it was accounted to him as righteousness. And it wasn't until Genesis chapter 18 that, G, that God sealed that promise, that sign of righteousness that God bestowed on, upon Abraham, Abraham through circumcision. It was not circumcision that made Abraham righteous. That was a, just a reflection of what God had already done in Abraham's heart. It's not works 
that save us, church. It is faith. And when any of you have that childlike faith to believe who Jesus is, guess what? You become a child of God. And it's going to be reflected in your deeds. You're going to want to produce good fruit. This is what Abraham did. That's not what these religious leaders were about. They hated Jesus. They hated his words. They could not tolerate his words. And Jesus is telling these religious people, you may be in Abraham's heart, in Abraham's house right now, but you know what? You're a slave to sin. And you're not going to last in his house forever. You better repent and get right. You better believe me and have the words of life. So here we see deeds matter, not ancestry, but those deeds are reflected in a life of faith as Abraham. Now, so in saying these things to these religious people, and they were tough words. They were in, uh, politically incorrect words. Jesus isn't just diagnosing a Jewish problem here. He is addressing a human problem that is among us today. The Bible says that we are all made in the image of God. But guess what? We are in one of two categories. We're either a child of God or we are sons of the devil. That's it. Just two categories. And Jesus is telling these religious people, you are sons of the devil if you don't believe me. Verse 38, verse 44. Now, we may not all be sons of the devil or be described as sons of the devil, but we are definitely children of wrath and disobedience, according to Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, if we don't know Christ. We're all still in the same category. We're slaves of sin. We're not children of God. In church, we need to be aware of this, you know, Craig talked about it really clearly last week about the fact that we live in this world. And there are people in this world that talk a really good talk, but you know what? They are sons of the devil. They are imitators of their father. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verses 13 through 15. Well, let's start with verse 12. Paul says this, And what am I doing, and what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. Verse 13. For such men are false apostles, 
deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so that it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. Church, we need to be aware of the world that we live in today. And people who like to dress the part, who like to speak the part, and sound very convincing, they use eloquent words, but you know what? They are in bed with the devil. And there are a lot of Christians today who are being duped by their leadership. And the church is being polluted. It's drifting. It's becoming liberal. It's becoming irrelevant. It's becoming just like the culture. And the reason why they are, it is because there are sons of the devil who are attempting to encourage, coerce believers or convince believers that they have the truth. Here's where I'm going to get in trouble. I'm appalled by the number of Christians who are celebrating the next administration that may very well come into office. I want you to know, church, their platform, their belief system is diametrically and diabolically opposed to the Scripture. And if you are embracing this, if you are celebrating this today, you do not have a biblical worldview. You have a worldly worldview, and you need to go back to the Bible and allow the Bible to shape your worldview. Because the platforms are at polar opposite. And I'm not saying the Republican platform is perfect. It's got lots of faults too. And it's got a lot of people who's in bed with the devil too. No platform is perfect, but one platform is far closer to the biblical values that you and I cherish and embrace than the other party platform. And I'm just appalled at what, at what believers, and it's not just Christians in general, but church, we have leaders within the Southern Baptist Convention or are celebrating this decision. And our convention is in trouble. It is drifting. And as your pastor, I cannot support the leaders who are leading our convention down the path of liberalism 
and irrelevancy. So, Jesus is here diagnosing a human problem. And in this text, they were rejecting the truth. And there are people today who are rejecting the truth. They hate Christianity. They hate Christians. They want to take away our religious liberties. They don't believe in God. These wanted to kill Jesus. Today, they want to kill the church. They don't love God. They do not believe in God. And Jesus says, you're sons of the devil. Who's child are you? Third statement. Not only do deeds matter, that ancestry is important, is not important, but number three, God's children share God's nature. This is what we see in in verses 42 through 47 of John chapter 8. But Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's read what Peter says about obtaining our Father's nature. Okay? Because children of God have the nature of God. Verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. How do we acquire God's divine nature in our life? By believing his promises, by having knowledge of who Jesus is, knowledge that pertains to life and godliness. This this is the nature that is available to us. And as God's children, in verses 42 through 47 of John chapter 8, Jesus points out who the child of what the the nature of the child of God is like. He's one who loves God in verse 42. He's one who hears God in verses 43 and 47. He's one who listens to God in verses 45 and 46. He believes God in verses 45 and 46. He belongs to God. And that was not the Pharisees. That was not their nature. He said, you are just like your father, the devil, in verse 44. 
He's a murderer. He's a liar. And he is the father of, of, he's the father of lies. And you're just like him. Did Jesus believe the devil? Absolutely he did. Church, the devil is alive and well. And a, and a lost world, a dark world, doesn't believe that. They don't believe in Jesus, and they don't believe in the devil. But Jesus believed in the devil. And the devil is working overtime. His, him and his demons are working overtime in these days. The devil loves chaos, lies, division, confusion, especially muddying the and adding to the gospel, reinterpreting scripture, and dividing the church. The devil is alive today, church. And we need to take him seriously, and we need to wake up. Not woke up, but we need to wake up to his activity around us. I like what uh, a poem by Alfred Huff, uh, penned in 1885 in New Zealand. It says this, Who does the mischief? mischief? Men don't believe in a devil now, as their fathers used to. They reject one creed because it's old, for another because it's new. There's not a print of his cloven foot, nor a fiery dart from his bow to be found in the earth or air today. At least they declare it so. But who is it that mixes the fatal drought, that palsies heart and brain and loads the beer? You know what the beer is? The beer is a, a platform for which you put a casket on, Okay and loads the beer of each passing year with its hundred thousand slain. But who blights the bloom of the land today with the fiery breath of hell? If it isn't the devil that does the work, who does? Won't somebody tell? Who dogs the steps of the toiling saint? Who spreads the net for his feet? Who sows the tares in the world's broad field where the Savior sows his wheat? If the devil is voted not to be, is the verdict therefore true? Someone is surely doing the work the devil was thought to do. They may say the devil has never lived. They may say the devil is gone. But simple people would like to know who carries the business on. The devil is alive and well. And Jesus was looking at these Pharisees and he was saying, you are just like your father. And he's telling the truth. And how did the Pharisees respond? With insults. You're a demonic Samaritan. You're born out of sexual immorality. But Jesus is just addressing the reality of these people. 
And just as the devil was real in this text, church, the devil is just as real today. And we need to be aware of his activity. And as children of God, if you are a child of God, you don't share in that nature. You share in Christ's nature. You love the truth. You listen for the truth. You listen for his, his voice. You want to do the Father's will. And then finally, who's a child? Whose child are you? God's children honor God's son. In verses 48 through 59, Jesus says that these things, that that the children of of God believed Jesus' words. What did Jesus say about himself? Verse 46. Well, interesting thing he says, question he asked the Pharisees, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? What a bold question to ask. And you'll notice in that verse that they didn't have a response. Now, if I were to ask you, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? All of you would say, well, pastor, where do you want me to start? Okay. Uh, No one can ask that question and not be told something. But for Jesus, can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? Nope. He's sinless. Verse 51. His word is life and gives victory over death. His word also frees us from the bondage of sin when we abide in his word. Verse 49, Jesus honors his father. He doesn't seek his own glory. Verse 54, the father glorifies the son. Verse 55, Jesus knows the father and keeps his word. Verses 56 and 58, Jesus is greater than Abraham. They were appalled that he would make that claim, that he was greater than Abraham. He wasn't even yet 50 years old. How can he be greater? Or before Abraham was, he was, he, he, he says, I am. I was before Abraham. And from John chapter 1, we know that Jesus has eternally existed. And so when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, you know what Jesus is saying in that passage of Scripture? That I am, where we hear that word I am? From the burning bush, God's voice speaking to Moses. It was Jesus' voice from the burning bush. I am I am the great I am. I am the God of the present. We can trust him. And children of God believe this. And we honor him. We have that simple childlike faith. 
if Jesus said it, I believe it. You know, I can go to my grandkids when they're little, and I can tell them things about God, and their eyes can get as big as saucers, and they believe every single word. Childlike faith. Church, what's happened to us? We get old and intelligent and sophisticated and think that we know more than God. Baloney! We need to have that simple, childlike faith. Whose child are you? It's not about ancestry. Deeds matter. Children of God share his nature. And children of God honor him. It's all about him. One last passage, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. John says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? you believe Jesus is the Son of God, if you abide in his word, if you are lovers of the truth and stand for what is right, Jesus says, be of, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. And we can overcome the world. It may get costly. It costs Jesus his very life. And church, we, we are coming into a day and age where it is very dangerous to stand for your faith. To stand for what is right. It may cost you your job, cost you your reputation. It may cost you your family. It may cost you your life. But Jesus says, you are in his house forever. Slaves of the devil, sons of the devil, come and go and are going to be in 
eternal damnation and punishment. But sons of God who have been saved by Jesus Christ are going to be in the house of the Lord forever. And it will be all worth it. Jesus says, you will not experience death. You believe my words, you will not die. You are mine forever. That's his promise. And God doesn't go back on his promises. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promises of your word. God, I pray for those who who aren't sure, Lord, whether they're sons of God. They don't who they're not sure who their father is. God, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. That they would choose to believe you, Jesus. Your promises and what you did for them by dying for their sin. Coming back to life three days later. The Bible says if we believe that, and if we abide in that, we walk in that, we are set free. God set them free from the bondage and slavery of this world. Make them alive to you. Jesus, thank you for truth. These were hard words. These were politically incorrect words, but they were words of truth. God, you want us to stand for truth. Help us to be of good courage. Because just as you have overcome the world, so we can overcome the world. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing this song of worship?